listener production. Hello, welcome to another episode of That's Enough Already, where we simply talk shit for 30 minutes. But in this episode with my good friend Cassie Roma, we take shit talking a little too literally. We chat about how I saved her life during quarantine. Yeah, some people call me a hero. And in fact, I do have a cape and I do wear my underpants over my pants. The fact she thinks one of the biggest superstars in the world gave her COVID and how she broke her finger setting up for this interview. Now, that's dedication. I don't see any of my other guests breaking fingers. Pick up your game, guys. Not with the broken fingers, with the other ones. You can hear more of Cassie on the Kindness Warriors podcast as well as Aiden Abed podcast. You can download now on your preferred platform, which we all know is Listener. I am not paid to say that. I am paid to say that. Get Listener. This is my chat with Cassie Roma. Enjoy. That's quite enough. Just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Shush, please. Yes, I can hear. But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. Hit me with your inappropriate story, please. Well, the inappropriate story is I was listening to you and Jimmy Carr. Yeah. And... I, like I was telling your producer, I'm not a funny person. She's like, give us some funny stories. I'm like, I don't have them. So I listened to you, to Mine for Gold. And you were talking about how at some point in every adult's life, yeah. we shit our pants. Yeah. I was laughing. I was walking down the road. Oh, where's my friend? She's so funny. Did you shit yourself? And you said the word shart. <laughs> my stomach turned to liquid. <sighs> <laughs> and I had to sprint to the local mall. Yeah which is the bathroom is never full, men's and women's, full out the door. Oh, no. People, people had like put up a tent in the bathroom and I was that close. that close. So please don't say the magic word this morning. I tell you what, it's such a weird thing. It's like <laughs> you don't think it's going to happen. Like, you know, you're a fucking adult, you know, and not just a normal adult. You're like a, a responsible adult, you know, a business mm-hmm. adult, someone people look up to in the community. Mm-hmm. You're like that kind of adult. Mm-hmm. So I just I just had COVID for the first time a week and a half ago. The pharmacist phones. They phone you and they go, okay, this is what needs to happen. You need to take it specific times and, you know, space it well. And then he goes, and by the way, mm-hmm. this could give you, like one of the side effects is quite bad diarrhea. And I went, I'm sure I'll be fine. I'm at oh. home. And he goes, yeah, no, but I'm telling you, it's real bad. So I'm like, just give me the shit. I've got a tour starting in five days. Let's go. And then, um, anyway, so they send the staff. I take the three, because the, you take three in the morning, three in the evening. I didn't even fart. I oh. just realised I was busy shitting myself. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I was like, but you know when you realise something and you go, like, I'm no athlete. Like, if between the two of us, you're an athlete, I'm no athlete. We're like polar opposite. Uh, I, uh, I just, uh, I sprinted so fast, it didn't even get a chance to touch skin. <laughs> I nearly did a backflip onto the toilet and, you know, it was risky because I had just renovated the bathroom. I, thank fuck I haven't painted uh, yet. Um, this us uh, shit talking yeah. right on the top. Like you don't know where people are. They're busy having their lunch with their actual shit their, talk. Yeah, their, actual uh, shit. You talk. know, AirPods in, and now we're talking shit. But I was doing a gig in Christchurch right after the earthquakes, right? And I did this gig in um, at the university there. This lady came in. I say lady very loosely, uh, and she was there with two guys, <laughs> and they're sitting in the back. The the show is called Long Flight to Freedom. It's about me moving to New Zealand. And a ripoff of Nelson Mandela's book. Anyway, so in the show, I talk about Nelson Mandela about 40 minutes in and I say, you know, if Nelson Mandela lived 
in America today, he would probably be on death row uh, as a terrorist, mm -hmm. you know, being just being held um, because one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter, you know, so I sort of talk about that. And I see about 40 people get up and leave in the back of the room. And, you know, when you're talking to a bunch of people, as you would have had, yeah. uh, you yeah. just know when there's, like your brain just goes, don't address it, just leave it be. I just didn't address oh, it. Elephant. Yeah. And then mm. uh, they left. After I did the show, I walked through the middle of the venue and I see, like, the venue staff had some mops and stuff, which is also never ask. Don't ask, don't tell. So I go through the venue and everyone had left and I said to the, it's all clear now, the seats were taken out. And I go, what happened here? And it just hit me, the shit, the smell, you know, that warm <gasps> diarrhea smell. And I'm like. Oh. oh, my God. And the venue manager goes, yeah, someone mm. shattered herself. And there's a pair of jandals, mm. thongs, flip-flops, plockies, wherever in the world you're listening to, those shoes that you poke your toes through. And there's a pair of those under the seat oh. uh, where the seat would have been oh. and they hadn't moved oh. those yet. And um, oh. I later found out That's the, a crime scene. the owner of those shoes, his name was Matt, oh. and he was sitting behind the uh, offending asshole. <laughs> and because they were sitting on those bunning seat, he had put his legs, you know, stretched out, put his feet under the seat in front and she shat right through the seat onto his feet. Oh. Oh. And he just sent me a message and he goes, you owe me a pair of jandals. Um, anyway, so they had to get in that like a hazmat team, clean out everything because it's human waste. And then when we left, locked up the venue, and I could hear whimpering from the bushes. And it's her. She's still there. The two guys had just left her there because she's full of shit. She couldn't get a taxi because she's full of shit. This is pre-Uber. She's just there in the bushes. So I say to the venue manager, I go, we go back in. I get some of those black sacks. I put it in the car. I put her in the car. I take her phone. I get her mum's number. I phone her. I go, I'm bringing your daughter. Get the address. I drive out there. I get her out of the car. I take the sacks and I give it to her mum. And I go, this is what happened. And her mum looks at her and she goes, not again. <laughs> now the fuck is the first time you shit yourself in public, not your rock bottom? <laughs> How the fuck are we dealing with a not again situation? <laughs> she might have like, she might have a physical issue. Yeah. It's called alcoholism. <laughs> have you seen the cards for the people who have like the physical issues? I've got a friend with <sighs> ulcerative colitis, I think she calls it. And especially, she's a Kiwi. She lives in New York. She's beautiful. But Kiwis being so shy and, and mostly, you know, very tall, poppy, unassuming, to go to the front of a toilet queue when there's a queue at like a concert or an event is a really scary thing. Yeah. So they have these cards made up that say, I have an affliction that might make me shit myself. Oh, my God. So you can show strangers yeah. in lines at events, like, I actually have to cut in front of you. Or, or you gonna, will be wearing yeah. what's in me. Fuck. I would let that person, I mean, you don't need a card. If you come up, you know when someone needs to go. There's, you know, when those, yeah. when the knees stop working, you know, you walk like that real tight knee situation. <laughs> no, this person ain't fucking about. If they go, I need yeah. to go. You, you can yeah. see it in their eyes. You go, you go, you go. I'm going to stand here and be in this tenor for a little bit longer. You go. Yeah. Yep. That's why I don't wear white shorts anymore. <laughs> And why I've never been back to Ponsonby Central. We'll just put it that way. 
Oh, my God. Okay, Cassie, let's start from the beginning. So where are you from? Oh, is this the existential question or the actual one? No, the actual, like, Um, just where did you come out of your mother? uh, San Diego, California. I split my childhood between San Diego, which is like a city, I think we've got about four or five million, and then spent half of the year, most years, in a town of 200 in uh, nowhere, Missouri. Wow. It's actually somewhere to me and my family. I love it. So I had a real city mouse, country mouse uh, childhood. Isn't that intense winters in Missouri? Mm Mm-hmm. I I actually dreamt about that last night. I dreamt one cousin of the 20 of us would always fall into this little pond, but in the wintertime, we'd get our galoshes and we'd go up this hill and you would just skate across this little pond. And I dreamt about that last night, the last thing before I woke up. And I kind of was like, what is the purpose? Oh, wow. Keep dreaming about my grandmother. Like the last, the, I had this weird fever dream when I, just this is uh, how I tested for COVID. I had this weird dream about my grandmother and she was with me and she was speaking Italian. So she could speak Italian. And then she was telling me in Italian and I could understand her that my auntie had just joined her wow. and, and she's with her in the spirit world. All in Italian. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I, but so clear, I woke up and I phoned my mum. I go, is your sister still alive? Because grandma just appeared to me in a dream, sort of slash awake state, saying in Italian that she's with her. And my mum's like, I'll find out. And then she phoned her and couldn't get a hold of her for a couple of days. And then she's like, no, no, she's still oh. alive. Um, but in that time, oh. I, I, I attested. I was like, oh, I've got COVID. I think I've got a fever. <laughs> I can I can speak Italian when I've Love got a fever. Literal fever dream. Yeah. Oh, molto so, bene. Yeah. So we will crazy, know. Yeah. We will know. It's so crazy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the first time we had COVID that we got it from Elton John. That might be a, starting a rumor, but I am almost, posi- <laughs> almost positive. Uh, because when yeah. he was here and he was sick, he had walking pneumonia. Yeah, that's, that's code for COVID. But we had gone yeah. to his concert in Auckland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were around his people. And before the tests were out and everything, both my wife and I got really sick. Did you? And so I was like. Was this pre-vaccine? Mm, pretty sure. This was like March 2020. Oh, wow. So you were one of the yeah. OGs. Pre all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably why we didn't catch it again. And then you went through quarantine, same as me. We went through quarantine. I did 10 weeks. How much did you, you do? You saved my life. Do you remember when you checked in on me day one? Yeah. And it was the evening. And you're like, hey, hey, buddy, how you doing? And I was like, well, I think I'm kind of hungry. And you were like, where's your food? Have they fed you? <laughs> You've been in there. Where's your food? And I'm like, I don't know. We're still locked in here, but this fucking weird shit keeps happening. And you're like, what? what's that? And I was like, people keep knocking on my door and running away. Yeah. And you remember you like That's you laughed. Like, no, no, no. Go, go. Open your door. Yeah, <laughs> there were three meals sitting out there waiting for me. Yeah, that's, that's really honestly. I say like, that's how they sort of train you. Even now, if I hear anyone knock, because the first first quarantine that I did was in yeah, <laughs> the first quarantine I did was at the Sofitel in Sydney. And one day, someone busted out. They sort of got out because people would start phoning each other. Because uh, the phones worked, you know, so you know how to phone a room. You just phone. So then people would start yeah. running and then they would sneak over to each other's rooms. And then the police came and they knocked on the door because someone wasn't in there because they would just randomly phone you. The nurse would phone you uh, and do all these mental health checks on you and just see how you were doing every day. But you'd get like five phone calls and like 
you'll be mid-nap and they go, are you all right? I go, no, I'm not. I'm fucking frustrated with all these phone calls. Like, stop interrupting me. sleep. Yeah, or if you don't answer, then the police come to your door. So I'd be mid-podcast and then the phone would ring and I'd be like, hold on. And then I'd have to answer, yes, I'm in my room. Yes, I'm alone. No, I don't feel Mm -hmm. sick. And then, so it was just crazy. And then the police came because someone had busted out of their room to go visit someone in another room, you know, conjugal visit and all. And then, um, I mean, this is old school Twitter. Uh, no, what's it? Tinder. <laughs> I'm so not on the apps. I don't oh, even fucking know what You didn't even called. have to swipe. Yeah. And then, um, so the cops. This was before TikTok. Yeah, so the, the, the cops knocked on the door. So I was like, oh, okay, one, two, three. And then they knocked again. I was like, one, two, two and knocked again. One, two. You know, I was like, fuck, I'm not even getting to five. And then they go, open the door. It's the police. So I, was, I opened the door and they, they won't come in. They go, are you alone? I go, yes. And and they said, are you sure? I went, yes. I, I've been here alone the whole time. Why? What's up? They wouldn't tell me. Then I phoned the um, hotel manager because he was a fan and he kept sending me cakes and stuff. And I phoned him. I said, what's happening? And he goes, oh, someone snuck out of their room. I'm like, oh, I, w- I thought it was an extra lunch coming, so now I'm hungry. It was fucking, it, like, if I said to you like now. three extra lunches. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I say, okay, after every flight, you have to spend two weeks in a hotel, you go, you're out of your fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's amazing how these experiences shape us, like, as a, as a society, but then also as individuals, and I know it really made me look inward and question a lot of my beliefs, and I feel like I've come out of this a much kinder person. That's See, that's because I follow you on all your socials. You're very positive. You're very kind. Like, you're the kindness warrior. Um, I am not that. Like, I... I try and and be and be like when people contact me or they say can you, you know like, I'll chat to people, but I'm not I'm not that positivity thing that never hit me. I'm like calm the fuck down. There's not enough coffee in the world. We must have had very different upbringings for you to be. What makes you positive? Like one of the best things I've ever heard you say yeah. um, was when you were telling a story about during this COVID time when the New Zealand government reached out to influencers and people on TV and they said, we want you to put a message out to say, be kind. And you were like, fuck no, no, because then I can't be mean. Well, (laughs) Or I can't be, you know, just normal. Honest, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of South Mm -hmm. Africans get get tarred with this brush. We're very honest. And uh, I've been accused of Mm -hmm. being extremely blunt. And, but I, I'm like, I could, I could sugarcoat shit all day for you or I could just tell you in one sentence what's really on my mind. I appreciate blunt honesty more than I do this tiptoeing around and being false. Not how to people please, but how to read a situation and how to uh, be blunt, but in a way that was almost like giving people a little bit of sugar with their medicine. Yeah. So I think optimism is like, it's just my core setting, but my internal monologue, well, she can be a real bitch. Um, and I'm fine with that too. Yeah. <laughs> I asked my wife that once because she's so kind. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I was like, are you, do you have anything 
mean going through your brain? Like when you say that really nice thing about someone, yeah. do you ever look at a baby and, and your brain is like, oh, a baby, but your brain goes, fuck, that's an ugly baby. And she's like, no. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> wow. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't, even in quarantine, people go, you must be lonely. I'll give you a phone call. I'm like, oh, no. No, 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 I've got heaps of shit I need to sort out on the inside. That's just, you know, me chatting to me. I don't need you fucking interfering when the two of us are chatting. Mm. Also, when people go, like, for comedy, they go, I can't believe you'd get up in front of thousands of people and just talk for an hour and a half. I go, I can't believe you would go to an office every fucking day and do the same shit over and over. Uh That is brave. That is brave to just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all those group emails, who parked in this car park if you don't move your car or who ate the yogurt or who, oh. honestly, because uh, I used mm. to work in advertising, we'd have all these meetings. Like most of my work now is coaching people. Yeah, how to do and it And it's properly. about going. If you hate the meeting, yeah. don't do the meeting. Yeah. I remember I worked for Ogilvy and we would have a whip meeting in the mornings and then on Fridays we'd have the big agency meeting and um, I just went, so maybe three weeks in, I thought, I've wasted enough of my fucking good time. I don't need to go sit in there and I've never eaten someone else's yogurt out of the fridge. So I'm fine. Then they would come and they go, the meeting's about to start. And I go, no, I'm good, thanks. And they go, you have to come. Everyone's going. I go, I'm not going. If you tell me at the end of the meeting something big has happened, send me the minutes of it. I go, but I've learned nothing in three weeks yeah. from you people. You and I would have been very good friends. Yeah. Yeah, you and I would be sitting at the desk mm. going, these cunts. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> giving away all my business secrets here. <laughs> Did you break your fingers setting up your mic? What, what's the story with your... Well, my thumb actually survived. Yeah. And then the tip of my middle finger, yes. There's nothing they could do about it. And I was, I was just like, you know, this is, this is the universe making me laugh. And again, so we go back to optimism and positivity. Like this could have been a moment where I just threw shit, where I was like, oh, fuck the whole world. Like this sucks. But I was setting up, I was setting up the little mic for today. I got my little ring light happening. And I thought I was going to be really nice and put something under the mic so that I didn't scratch the table. Wasn't very smart. Put put a little, um, like, a cloth underneath, yeah. not realizing the cloth would move when I moved the arm. Yeah. And it is a spring-loaded elbow. Oh. And I don't know how it— I couldn't do this again if I, if I tried. Yeah. I heard the thing move, went to catch it, and the spring-loaded elbow just smashed my entire hand in it. And it, the tip of my finger just gone, and it reminded me that in all situations, humility wins the day. What is the thing— that gets you out of bed in the morning. That makes you go, you know, I still got to get up, still got to feed the kids, still got to. It might be really hippie, but I believe in signs from the universe. Yeah. And um, when I don't listen to the universe, it sends me like a signier sign. And then when the signier sign doesn't quite work and I'm like, nah, not signy enough. It's like, hey, bitch, here's the signier sign than the signier sign. And I'm like, ah, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I've been seeing the number 444 everywhere. Like, and and it's so weird. Like, I'm not a, but it happens so much in, like, I'm not into numerology or anything. I just see the number 444 everywhere. And it happened so much on the one day that eventually I had to go, okay, guys, this is crazy, but everything is 444. I was struggling with my gala set. Then I said to 
um, my tour manager to record it so I can see, you know, and I did it at the venue, which I never do, and he recorded it and it was four minutes and 44 seconds. I go, well, that's weird. Then um, I got a phone call at 4.44. When I left the venue, we, we left and down this dark alleyway in Melbourne, there's just this massive lit up sign with a number 444. And I was like, at this point, I tell my manager, I go, okay, this is starting to get fucking creepy. I've seen 444 all day today. And um, she's like, oh, that's weird. I tell my friend in New Zealand, she's here. She took my car in for a service. So she was in my car. I said, um, I just, I keep seeing 444 everywhere. She goes, oh, my God. I go, what? She goes, I'm going to send you a photo. So she sends me a photo. The car in front of her, the number plate is just 444. And then... Everywhere, literally every day. So now it's like, so in my brain, I'm kind of going, okay, it's because I bought the second-hand car, right? Like I paid attention to the 444 and now I see it everywhere, right? So I'm like, this is what's happening. And now the signier sign is about to happen. Mm -hmm. So then I go, I had, uh, where I was staying in Melbourne, whenever I had a meeting uh, right across on the riverfront, um, there's this restaurant and I would go in there and have all my meetings at this restaurant. Uh, and I had the same waitress every single time. So the first time I was there, she was wearing a short sleeve shirt. As she's she's standing there, um, I realise she's got massive on her forearm tattooed four four four. And I go, why? Stop it. I go, why have you got that? She goes, oh, it's an angel number. It's like when your guardian angel is working <gasps> overtime. Um, to look after you. I said, I've been seeing 444 everywhere. And then, so my friend who's with me, who's into numerology, she looks it up and she tells me. And I was like, okay, this is so crazy. And the girl goes, hang on. So she opens her phone. The The time we took the photo on the first day was Stop 444. It. Yeah. How fucking crazy is that? Uh, I'm still seeing it. <laughs> it's still, so now I'm waiting, but now I've had two. <laughs> Your guardian angel's like, Calm down. Can you, yeah, yeah. Can you fucking just see it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just to to appreciate what's going on and to see the positive stuff that's happening. And like, I will see the silver lining in literally fucking everything. Like nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, so my thing, I have this mantras in my head the whole time. Like if they can do it, you can do it or can't be done. Like it just keeps going in Ooh. my head. Or And then there's this one poem. I, I don't know if you know The Invitation by Raya Mountain Dreamer. Have you ever read yeah. that? Yeah. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you get up and do what needs to be done to feed the kids, you know, to feed the children. And yeah. I often think about that. And yeah. whatever your feed the children thing is, as say if I'm chopping wood, mm-hmm. right, and I'm making, you know, kindling or whatever, then as I'm chopping <laughs> as I'm chopping wood, I'm like, I'm just doing this. You know, this is what needs to be done. Shit like that because I've made extra work for myself. That is the most lesbian example ever. <laughs> well, there couldn't be a gayer example of like, uh, you know, like chopping wood. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what are we expecting in this, in this one? Laundry. <laughs> <laughs> but the washing's on at the minute. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Did all the beds that, you know, we're going to talk about stuff that shits us. Yeah. Making beds. Oh, yeah. I've made four beds yesterday. Jesus. How many fucking people live in your house? Why aren't these people making their beds? I cannot wait oh, well, for the time when my kids are big enough so I can go. Like they make the beds, but they can't, of course, put on the fitted sheet and the top sheet. Yeah. Let me ask you, are you a top sheet gal or not? Uh, every port in a storm. 
I don't mind either way. It's definitely top sheet all the way. I, yeah. If I, you don't top sheet, you're doing the washing more. You're washing the doona more than you need to. Let's just say I always put a top sheet on my bed. But when you sleep around, you don't mind. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like somebody else makes you dinner. You don't complain. You just be thankful that someone else made the dinner. You're having a snobby, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on uh, the side. <laughs> hey, when did you, so you were married. You moved to New Zealand like 20 years ago, more. Mm-hmm. Um, you were married, mm-hmm. had a kid. I was straight married, yeah. Yeah, that's right. at, at what point did you go, hmm, may not be as straight as I thought? I think all along. Oh, yeah. There have been signs from yeah. from like the earliest of toddler photos. But probably as my first marriage ended mm-hmm. and I met Carly, yeah. uh, my wife, um, and there was literally one of those moments where Somebody, somebody in my psyche went and grabbed the little light bulb and flicked oh, yeah. it on, and I went, oh. "Oh, is that why I only have lesbian friends? Is that why I always score ninety nine out of a hundred on the gay tests?" <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> oh. All right, all makes sense. Now, if there's any straight ladies out there <laughs> listening and you're wondering. Give us a call. Let me ask you, what shits you about other people? Thing that really shits me about other people, and this is probably because I've been working in and around social and digital media and communities for since it started, is that people, like, great that we all have an opinion, but we don't always have to fucking share it. And also, like, maybe stop concentrating on other people and shine some light back at you. I've been uh, to Tennessee recently in the last few months. And my friend Vanessa, who is um, an amazing ally, she and I marched against the drag bill. I'm just like, you know, keep your opinions to yourself and maybe do the work yeah. with yourself first. Yeah. I don't need, I don't like, yay, have it. Yeah. But stop thinking everybody needs to, to hear what you have to say or that we have to give a damn. I don't understand why the fuck you're up other people's asses about... Like, we're not talking about, and can I just say, I have since found out someone I thought was a friend was at that um, protest, mm-hmm. and then she goes, yeah, um, trans people shouldn't be in, in women's bathrooms. I'm like, what kind of shit do you run at your house? That So you've got two bathrooms, one's for the men, one's for the women, and what? I have never uh, felt threatened in a bathroom at all. The only mm-hmm. times when mm-hmm. I'm acutely aware of a threat is when my six-year-old son wants to go into the men's room by himself and I have to go, no. I often think if I'm in a situation, say you're, you know, in the city uh, and you've got your kid with you, I've got my kids with me, and I have to go away and there's a church and a gay club Mm -hmm. right next to each other, Mm -hmm. uh, I would rather Mm -hmm. leave my kids in the gay club and go, can you guys quickly look after my kids? I'll be right back. Without a fucking Absolutely. worry in the world, if you've ever gone out mm-hmm. and you've clubbed, you know, you, you've had a drinks, drinks and dancing in a straight club and then gone to a gay club, you immediately not, notice the difference because people take fucking no as a no in a gay club. People leave uh-huh. you alone. If you want to be left alone, you're going to be left alone. In a straight club, you get that whole, um, you know, sort of, Oh, you think you're too fucking special. It's like, dude, I just want to dance. I just want to, you know, have a good yeah. time and not deal with your shit. It's the aggro and that. the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's the aggro and the, the the energy and the vibe is completely different. The last time 
I was in Nashville. We went to the the lesbian club there and it's called the Lipstick Lounge. And upstairs, there's a cigar bar called the Upper Lip. Amazing. It was- That's for menopausal life. It was amazing. It was, <laughs> it was so good. But, well, this was the night at the Upper Lip. We're like, in a lot of towns too, when you walk into a bar and you're a new person, you're a new yeah. face, you're, you're new blood, there are a lot of weird vibes that get put out. But this place was amazing. And we went upstairs and- First time ever smoking a cigar. Did I smoke one? No. Did I smoke two? Did, no. Smoke four. Oh not God. realizing that Good it was luck. tobacco and nicotine. Yeah. I was up for five days. But, you know, the lesbians treated me to like, it was a fantastic evening. We had fun. There was no aggression. There was yeah. karaoke. A kid, like there were people who brought their kids. It yeah. wasn't dangerous. It felt, it felt beautiful and welcoming. And that you just can't match that in, in other kinds of situations. And what's it about you that shits you to death? Oh, it's almost the inverse of this too. The thing that shits me to death about myself is that as much as I know I shouldn't uh, care about the opinions of others, I really do sometimes. Yeah. You know, you get lots and lots and lots of a beautiful feedback, but you get two pieces of shitty feedback thrown at you and you just take it on board. And the thing for me that I would love to someday learn is how to set all of that down and just go, their opinion, not mine. I often say to, um, you know, as comics, sometimes you say something that upsets people or whatever. I always say, just give it a week. In a week, you're not going to remember. Yeah. You know, yeah. whatever, whatever, yeah. like I, a guy got arrested during COVID Um like when we were all in lockdown because he was sending me death threats and, you know, I get my fair share of death threats and this guy was sending me, but he was sending death threats and then he said he was going to put my kids in cages and give them AIDS and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I just went, you know what? Had enough of your shit. So okay. find the police. Mm -hmm. I honestly can't tell you the guy's name right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like give it a week. That's Everything. so it, lucky. Shut your shit so down lucky. for a week and just... You won't, yeah. you know, in a week, none of this will matter. That's a great life lesson too, is shut your shit down. Like yeah. a lot of the time, especially if you've got internal monologues like yours and mine, when you yeah. quiet the noise yeah. of the external things, then you yeah. can concentrate on the stuff that's going to matter in more than a week. Yeah, 100%. I've, I've shut down my Instagram, my Facebook, my Twitter, all of that for like two weeks. And all the bad shit just yeah. goes away and you just all of a sudden have this you know, natural dopamine that comes back from normal shit that you're doing and not just from being yeah. on socials. It's insane. One of the things that blew my brain about being uh, on Celebrity Treasure Island because they take, they take your phones, you are in the middle of nowhere, you are not contacting anybody. This was the first time when I filmed in 26 years mm. that I had been offline. Yeah, wow. And for two days, my brain was thinking in tweets yeah. And it took till day three for me to think, isn't it a funny reality that I didn't even notice yeah. that because I've been working in this space so long and understanding the different channels, like that would have been a great thing for Instagram. Yeah. That would have been a tweet perfectly. Here's what my call to action would have been. It took like 72 full hours in the middle of nowhere to just start listening to the people around me yeah. and to start going, huh, songs from childhood started to come back. You know, like actual yeah. joy in feeling the sand underfoot. Yeah. You're getting, yeah, getting a little pissed off at the story prods. They were doing their job, but come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's crazy. And it was, it was such an, a neat way to 
find presence again. But then the second, you know, back into the real world and that phone was back in my hand, that little popsicle brain went right back to it. That false dopamine and cortisol. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed our chat. Thanks. Okay, that's enough already. Of that's enough already. But if you like this episode and you want more, who could blame you, then you'll love my chat with Danielle Walker, where she shares a personal tale of a pelican and a chihuahua. Yes, a pelican and a chihuahua. They're not walking into a bar. You have to listen. Just search That's Enough Already with Danielle Walker, wherever you get your podcast from. Don't forget to leave a review and share with a friend. This is a story everyone has to hear. you got to picture it. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner. The supervising producer was Nick McClure, and special thanks to Ella Leaf and Beck Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you, gals. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know, but definitely share it with a friend. 